Are the mistakes of your past keeping you from the promise of your future? Find out today on Bold Steps with Mark Job. God is bigger than our past baggage, but some of us have picked up baggage in our past of how to deal with God, and we deal with God the wrong way, even as believers, and that wrong way of dealing with God comes back to bite us, and instead of being good for us, it hurts us because it sabotages the good things that God is doing in our life. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute, and he's senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, the truth is, we all have baggage. We've all gone through seasons of pain, problems, and mistakes. And for some of us, that baggage seems to follow us around wherever we go. But in today's lesson, Mark is helping us understand how God can take the heartaches and wasted years of our past and redeem them into powerful pieces of His good plan. We're continuing a lesson titled, God is Bigger Than Your Baggage. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 11 as we join Mark for today's message. Listen, some people had scratched Jephthah off the map of this kid will never amount to anything. If you were a parent, you would tell your youngster, you're going to end up like Jephthah if you don't watch out. Yet little did Jephthah know that God has a way of redeeming even what we pick up in the valley of pain. What Jephthah was learning in this valley of abandonment and rejection, he was learning how to move in and out of the Ammonite territory. He had learned how to live in the desert without being caught. He had learned how to lead other men. He had learned how to raid the enemy and be elusive to them. He had learned their tactics. He had become a menace to them he had become a threat to the Ammonites, and the Israelites saw who, had he, who he had become. Now, do you think this was all coincidence? Oh, no, this was all part of God's plan. Some of you have been in the valley of pain, in the valley of rejection, the valley of shame, and you look at it in your past and think it was wasted years. You look at it and think, you know what, Those were, that was a desert, it was a waste of my life, but here's what I want you to know. Listen, nothing in God's mega plan is a waste. Yeah. You know why? Hey, 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 listen to me. God is the master recycler. You think, well, this is just garbage. And God says, no, 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 I'll take it and I'm recycle it and turn it into something good for my purpose. You think, well, this is just junk. And God says, hey, give me the junk, the waste, the garbage, the stuff that you throw away, the stuff that you look at and say that no one could bring any good out of this. Do you realize that in Brazil, uh, they're making mega fuel out of uh, ethanol. Basically, they're making it out of what many people trash, out of corn. God is the same way. Listen, some of you look at your past and that, that season of rejection and shame and hurt in your life. And I'm going to tell you this. Listen, if you let God, those haven't been wasted years because God can take whatever you learned during those years. And some of you... Some of you look and say, well, those were just bad years. But I'm going to tell you something. God can take even some of the stuff that he was teaching you in the bad years, some of that stuff that you, want, that you think could never, and God can take it, and God can redeem it, and God can turn it into good, and God can weave it into your destiny and into your future. 
When Moses was raised in the house of the Pharaoh and ended up slaughtering someone in the house and ran from it, he probably thought, what a waste of time. Little did he know that God was going to send him back to the Pharaoh's house, and now he knew the language of the Pharaoh, the culture of the Pharaoh. He knew how to relate to them because they were not wasted years. When Joseph was put in prison, when he served under Potiphar, he was learning leadership, and he was learning to interpret dreams, and he was learning all of this in the middle of prison that God would use later in his future, even though some people looked at it as his darkest years, God was still at work in the middle of the darkness. God was still at work in the middle of Jephthah's dark time. Listen, some of you look and you say, well, I wish I could write, rewrite my past. And I wish I could skip those 10 years that were just chaos in my life and mistakes that I made. And listen, here's the thing, you can't. You say, well, I'm just going to forget about them. Act like they never existed. Never talk about them. You can handle it that way. Or maybe what you could do is you can let God reinterpret your past. And maybe what you could begin to realize is that God had a purpose and a plan in that. Oh, it's not God's will to, to take you down that road. But the thing about God is he can even take, listen, God can even take our mistakes. God can even take our mistakes. And if we let him, God can take the mistakes we've made and God can turn them into something that he uses for our purpose and our destiny and our future. Listen, I believe that Jephthah, deep inside of his heart and soul, he knew, I have a purpose and destiny that's beyond raiding. I believe that Jephthah, deep inside his heart, he knew, listen, there is something inside of me that has a bigger call, a greater call than what I'm living. And I think when these people of Gilead came and they rang the bell of, hey, can you help us out? I think initially he was, he was wanting to say, why should I help you out? But I think deep inside of his soul, something rang inside of him and reminded him, listen, I got a purpose and a destiny that's bigger than you. I have something that I want you to accomplish. I have a lot of people ask me about calling. They say, well, how do you know if you're called? Can I tell you this? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, implicit in your following Jesus is a call. We are all called. There's not the called and the non-called ones. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a calling on your life. You are called into a mission. You are called into a purpose. And that purpose and that mission is bigger than you. It's bigger than your issues. It's something that helps and changes other people's lives. It's the mission of God. Amen? When, when Jephthah heard that they had called him, God was redeeming those lost years, those troubled years. God was redeeming them to make something different. And so he agrees. In verse 8 through 11, he agrees to do so. And then it tells us that immediately Jephthah sent messengers uh, to the Ammonite king with a question. This was not just a guy that had, um, uh, th this was a guy that knew how to negotiate. This was a guy that knew how to build a truce. This is a guy that if you've been bullied all your life, you know how to try to make peace before you go to war. Hello. If you've been picked on and there's people bigger than you 
You, you know how to sort of arbitrate a negotiation. You learn those skills. And some of you, if you were bullied a lot when you were young, hey, you know how to like negotiate and build truces. And he, he was a reject, but he had spent all, all of his life on the outside. So he, he knew how to negotiate and politic. And, and the Bible, it reads the next verses here, those verses, he's making a great argument of why the Ammonite king should not come against them. So he plays the diplomat and he argues uh, that, that this land is really theirs and they don't have a beef to pick and they shouldn't be fighting anyways. There can be a peaceful settlement to this. And he was taking the skills he had learned as a youngster and he was applying them to his, his current position. And the Ammonite king would have nothing to do with verse 28. And the, the king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message that Jephthah sent. So listen to what it says in verse 29. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. You're taking notes, write this down, the third point. The spirit of the Lord comes upon those that rise to his calling, even in their brokenness. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. What a powerful statement that is. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Those same words are used of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. David was the youngest of the family. He was a little shepherd boy. Samuel was anointed him to be king. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. You know why the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us? The Spirit of the Lord comes upon us with power when we decide to step into the calling and the mission that He has upon our life. The Spirit of the Lord did not come upon Jephthah until Jephthah decided to do what God had called him to do. Because the Spirit of the Lord only steps in to do what we cannot do in our own power. He comes upon us with supernatural power and supernatural strength to do things that in our own power we could never do in our own strength. We've reached the midway point of today's Bold Steps message with Mark Job. If you're joining us late or you'll need to leave early, remember you can always find these messages and catch up anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Just open up the app on your phone or smart device and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. And don't forget to tap the subscribe button for easy automatic downloads. And if you'd care to let us know what these teachings have meant to you or your family, we encourage you to leave a comment on our podcast page and let us know. Or send us a message on social media. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Bold Steps Radio. But now with the final part of today's message, God is bigger than your baggage. Here again is Mark Job with Bold Steps. You see, some of you have a sense in your life that God may be calling you, leading you. Uh, There's things in front of you to do that you know is right to do. But you know, you look at it and you say, "I, I I, I can't, I've tried. It may not be some big feat, it may be your marriage. You look at your marriage and you say, you know, I've tried so long, I've tried so hard, it's We've struggled at this. We've wrestled at it. You know, I've, I've just decided just to kind of check out emotionally. I'm in my marriage, but you know, we have a house together. We have some kids. It's just, I guess it's better than being out there. But you've checked out. You know, you've checked out. Just check out. 
Not even trying. Not trying to make it better. Not trying to work at it. You look and say, you know, I can't change him. He looks at you and says, I can't change her. So sometimes we just accept it, but, and, and then something happens. And the truth is you can't change your heart and you can't change that person. But I believe that there's something happens at times when, when God gets a hold of us and God begins to say, listen, I have something bigger and better for your marriage than, than, than how it is right now. And then someone in the marriage, maybe the husband and maybe the wife, suddenly wakes up to God and says, God, I know that this is not the way you planned it to be. I know it can be different. I know that we can forgive. I know that we can get past. I've tried and I have no power on my own to do it. But oh God, I set my heart toward making it happen, to changing it, to making a difference. But God, I feel like I'm going to fail. I feel like I have no power. And it's in that position that the Spirit of the Lord can come upon you. It's there that the Spirit of God says, okay, now I can come upon you. Why? Because you're setting yourself to do something that you have no power to do in your own strength. Are, are you with me? You say, well, I don't think I can do it. Well, you probably can't. But when you set yourself in that direction, you say, God, I'm going to try anyways. Then is that when the Spirit of God can come upon you and His power and His ability to fill you with the supernatural love that you've never had and His ability to cause you to forgive that you've never experienced before, it's then that the Spirit of God can come upon you with greater power and greater strength than ever before. Now let me clarify this, by the way, in the, New in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came and the Spirit of God would leave. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God is different. The moment that you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He doesn't come and go like he did in the Old Testament. He comes and he stays. But the power of God can be stronger at certain times than others. Uh, hear me well. Listen, some of us don't need the power of God because you're not trying to do anything hard for God. Oh no, let me say that again. Some of you don't need the power of God. Why? Because you haven't set your heart to do anything that's hard for God. God says, I'd love to give you power. You're not believing for anything great. You're not trying to do anything significant. You're not exercising your faith. You're not trying to bring about change. You, 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 you're not setting yourself to do something, anything in obedience for me, so you don't need my power. Why should I give you my power? God just, hey, I got it. And you're like, uh, no, no. I'm. God doesn't release his power until we start trying to tackle something that we know is right for us to do, but that we don't have the power to do in Jesus' name. Then he releases his power. And many of us don't need God's power because we're not, we're not trying to do anything hard for God. And the power of God came upon Jephthah. And so the Bible says that Jephthah went out and he fought against the Ammonites. Listen, lo and behold, and the Lord gave him into his hands and he devastated 20 towns from, from Aor to the vicinity of Minth and from Abel to Karimnan. Thus Israelites subdued Am Ammon. But here's the thing, my last point, and I'll close with this. 
Point number four, our brokenness must be sanctified or will rise up to sabotage our God-given victories. Our brokenness must be sanctified or it will rise up to sabotage our God-given victories. You see, in verse 30, Jephthah does something really rash, something that God has called him to do something, but Jephthah has picked up some bad habits in the valley of pain as well, and he's picked up some of the pagan habits. And in uh, verse 30, it says, then Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give me the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Hold on a second. Does that seem like he's making deals with God? You don't say, God, let's negotiate here. Let's sit down. All right, I'll give you this. You give me that. That's not the way that it works. What you do with God Almighty is you submit to him and you say, you are Lord and I give you myself and I will obey you. You don't make deals with God. And he made a deal with God and he said, hey, I will give you whatever, I will sacrifice unto you whatever comes out first of my house to meet me if you give me this battle. Now, if he's like me, he probably thought it would be his dog. And he probably thought, I could spare a dog or two. No, I have a little dog, and she's nice. She's my wife and my daughter's dog. He thought it would be an animal. He thought it would be, but, but, but what ended up happening, the Bible says, is that he, when he came back from this major victory that God had given him, listen to what it says. Verse 34, when Jephthah returned to his home in Mithsah, Who should come out to meet him but his daughter? Dancing to the sound of tambourine, she was so excited that he had won. She was his only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and he cried, Oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Now, Some scholars, as they look at this, have asked themselves, hey, hold on a second, time out, pause button, really, did Jephthah really sacrifice his daughter? Well, some Hebrew scholars um, look at these words that he says, I will, the word sacrifice and consecrate are the same. And um, the idea is I will consecrate or offer this unto God And it makes me think that from the following verses that what he did was he consecrated her to the tabernacle, so he gave her away to the tabernacle, basically to live the rest of her life in the tabernacle as a servant to the tabernacle, more almost like a nun would be rather than a human sacrifice, in part because of uh, uh, the response of the daughter. Notice what the daughter says. Um, The daughter says... uh, Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. Uh, You may go, he said, and he let her go for two months and she and the girls went to the hills and they wept because she would never marry. After two months, she returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed and she was a virgin. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone was going to sacrifice me on an altar, I think I would moan more than my virginity. I would mourn my life. And uh, so I, I, I think that um, 
uh, really, he was giving her over to the tabernacle. But the point is this. The point is he made a rash vow because he brought in some of his pagan practices to negotiate with God, and God does not negotiate. And here's the thing, sometimes our past baggage, God is bigger than our past baggage, but some of us have picked up baggage in our past of how to deal with God, and we deal with God the wrong way, even as believers, and that wrong way of dealing with God comes back to bite us, and instead of being good for us, it hurts us because it sabotages the good things that God is doing in our life. Are you tracking with me? It's huge. Some of you picked up wrong ways of dealing with God and you're trying to negotiate with God and God is saying, I don't want negotiation, I want surrender. You're trying to say, God, if you come through on this, guess what, I'll give you a bigger tithe. And God says, I don't want a bigger tithe, I want your heart. You're trying to say, hey, God, if you follow through on this, guess what, I won't miss church for six months. And God says, hey, I'm not here to negotiate. I'm here because I want you and your entire surrender. I'm the God of the universe, and I don't negotiate. So this morning, here's what I want to say. Listen to me well. Jephthah had a past, and God was not afraid of using Jephthah in his brokenness. Hear me well. If you wait until you're all fixed up before God will ever use you, listen, you'll never be used of God. Because you and I and everybody in this auditorium, we have cracks in our spirit and our soul and our personality that are due to the fall. There's none of us here that are completely whole. We all have cracks in our life. How about it? How many of you know that? And listen, some of you are waiting. You say, wait, I'm going to wait till I'm all fixed up before God can use me. Listen, some of you, if you wait like that, you'll wait till you're 95. I know this message is spoken to someone right now that you, right now, where you're standing or where you're sitting, say, I have the spirit or the heart of a Jephthah. Brokenness, maybe you come from an addiction background in your household, maybe you uh, look at your inconsistency as a believer, your failures, your divorce— your uh, run-in with the law, uh, whatever it may be, and think God could never use me. And I want to say strongly, powerfully, um, boldly, I want to tell you, God is able to use you in spite of your background, but he needs you to be willing to surrender your background to him. And so I pray right now that you maybe would pause where you're at and say, Lord, I surrender my background to you. I choose not to bring that baggage into my relationship with you. I fully surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for this message today. God is bigger than your baggage. Tomorrow, the message, God is bigger than my manger scene, and we'll get after that tomorrow when you join us for Bold Steps. These messages are available, of course, at boldstepsradio.org. Now, Mark, we have a Bold Step gift we'd like to offer to our listeners, unwrapping the names of Jesus. But instead of me talking about it, why don't we hear from the author? This is Asherita Chuchu, and she writes about the names of Christ. Mm. So I'll just run through some of them, the resurrection and life. 
Light of the World, Messiah, Lion of Judah, Holy One of God, True Vine, Great High Priest. I mean, I could go on and on. There, there are five names for every week of Advent, but truly I just looked at Scripture and said, okay, what does Jesus call himself, um, and, and what does that tell us about him? That's it. Unwrapping the names of Jesus gets me excited just to hear the names being proclaimed. So I'm holding in my hand this uh, Advent devotional book by Asherita Chuchu. It's uh, decorative. It's nice. It's easy to read. But more importantly than anything, it focuses on the names of Jesus. No better way to get ready for the Advent season or Christmas by focusing on Jesus and his many names. That is absolutely right, Mark. So hurry today and request your copy of Unwrapping the Names of Jesus when you give your gift of any amount to support this ministry. Visit us online at boldstepsradio.org or if it's easier, just call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send your donation in the mail. Be sure to ask for the book when you give your gift. Write to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and that brings us to the end today. Tomorrow, we'll learn about the four names of Jesus as foretold 700 years before he was born. It's a message titled, God is Bigger Than My Manger Scene, and it's the beginning of the final lesson in our series, Your God is Too Small. That's coming up Wednesday, right here on Bold Steps with Mark Jones. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.